Before we wander on into the episode, I just want to make sure that everyone goes out there and hits up the YouTube, check out the Spotify, check out Apple, wherever you're listening or watching to this ep- uh, podcast, is to go down, like it, subscribe, hit the bell if it's YouTube, make sure you're getting those reminders. We do put these out every week, um, so make sure you do to do all that. It helps us out, and in the long run, we can make better things. So again, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. But I, w- I was driving along, and all of a sudden, I look out the window, and I see a kangaroo. And then there's another one. And then there's like a hundred or two kangaroos. And then, you know, we can wander our way over. Because this is Wolfram Ways. What's Bigfoot possibility? Clink. Clink. Uh, hello. Welcome. We're back. It's another episode of the Wandering Ways podcast. I am the Reverend Mark, and I'm with Ranger Zach. What's I, up? I, How we doing? I appreciate that opening. I really do. I like I like it. It's formal. Um, it lets our listeners know that they're in for another treat. Um, and we got a we got a good one today with uh, old man old truck. If you read the title, if you didn't read the title, um, well, it's old man old truck. So <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> uh, about this one because. It really made me think today about, you know, we got to work, me and Mark are planning a big trip and we, we talked with old man, old truck today about uh, his uh, trip, his, he took a big road trip, 8,000 8, miles, um, went through a lot of states, saw a lot of parks and we talk about it. And it, I'm thinking with Mark, it's like, we're planning a big trip, you know, we're six months out planning a big trip. Um, and, it, and these things do take time. Um, and I'm excited. I, you know, just like the Wandering Ways podcast, we got some good stuff coming. Um, what have you been up to, my guy? You been able to get outside? Um, nothing too crazy. Um, you know, I've been just running uh, outside. That's really about only outside time I've been doing. Um, it's been it's been awfully cold, and I don't want to just go outside in the cold. Uh, for too terribly long, um, you know, but hopefully going to do some things here. You know, by the time this is out, I'm back from Georgia. So hopefully I do something out in Georgia, um, but nothing too crazy. Yeah, super excited about this episode, though, um, partially because what I really what I really appreciate um, from it all is it's finding a way to get out and just go and do the trip. Um, you know, the one thing I think I've gathered from talking to people um, either on the podcast or not on the podcast that do these long trips or a trip of any kind, um, every single one of them starts off the same with, you just got to go and do it. Um, so that's what I really appreciate about it is it's just, the ultimate definition of let's just go. Um, then the whole trip for that, I don't want to ruin a whole lot. I want you to listen to the, the interview. Um, but 
you know, a lot of it is just, all right, let's go. No, you're absolutely right. And like, I just, this last week I was, uh, I was able to go see the Hoover Dam for the first time in my life. And, you know, you and I were talking off camera, uh, before this of like, uh, I don't know where I stand on dams, if they're good or bad for, um, society, because like, I mean, they're good for society of people, but like, I mean, like, no, I shouldn't say society. I mean, the greater ecosystems, right. Cause like that extra water pooling up, like, isn't it supposed to serve a purpose down river as well to those environments, you know, give them extra water for their droughts. I don't know. Not sure. The movie at the Hoover Dam was really interesting because it was all about like, let's create jobs. It did this. It did this. Look at all the electricity. So it was all like that good it creates, which is like, okay. Um, I don't know, but it was neat. You know, it's a beautiful area, the desert, um, seeing Lake Mead for the first time, seeing the Hoover Dam, which is run by the Bureau of Rec Reclamation. Um, I wasn't as impressed with it too you know like it is big but like it's more down i thought it would be wider i really thought uh, it would be wider but like they found almost like the most narrow canyon in that area they could find to put it in is what it felt like but then you see like the big like tunnels they also created for the bypass on both sides of the river um to like bypass the river to get it away from the dam when they're building it. So it is, I mean, it is pretty tall. Don't get me wrong. It is a tall dam. Um, but even just to hear like some of the numbers of like it, of like how much the water has dropped in that lake in like the last 40 years is kind of scary. Um, but it was I neat bet. to see. I mean, uh, the desert's beautiful. I'm glad we just didn't do Vegas the whole time. Just being down there, there you go. Getting out and doing things. That's, uh, that's what it's all about. And speaking of getting out and doing things, we're going to get out and we're going to do this interview. So, um, welcome on, old man, old truck. So, I was kind of thinking of getting into sport fishing again, but I feel like I need a good quality net. Well, you know what, Reverend, I got the key solution for you. You know, our friends at Blue Ribbon Net make this eco-friendly aquafade bag so you're not hurting the environment. It's 100% biodegradable. Plus, the wood is locally sourced and it is also biodegradable and it's just such a great company to use. Um, the Blue Ribbon Nets, they're here in Bozeman, Montana, and we even have a discount code. That's right. If you use the code RUGARU10, that's right. That's my Jeep, the RUGARU. RUGARU10, R-U-G-A-R-U-1-0. Uh, you're going to get some discount on a blue ribbon net. You know, you can get the long one if you're fishing the big fish, or you can get just the good river one, you know, if you're like me and just want to catch a lot of fish. So again, make sure you go check out Blue Ribbon and use the promo code RUGARU10. Hey, hey there, Reverend. Um, I heard that you might be running dry on your sticker supplier. Yeah, I've been looking around and I've kind of like run out of cool stickers to buy and put on water bottles and stuff. Well, I, I mean, have you seen the stuff Josh has been coming out with lately? No, I have not. 
Well, he is doing some really cool stuff with the Shop LS574. Yes, they're working with indigenous communities and making some really cool stickers. Um, he has a really cool Buffalo Mountain sticker. There's even water bottles, hats, sweatshirts, the whole swag. And we even got a discount code for you guys. Yes, if you use Wandering Ways at Shop LS574, you're going to be getting a discount on your next purchase. But not only that, you're going to be giving a percentage of that sale to the Little Shell Tribe, as well as they donate a dollar of every sale to murdered and missing indigenous women. So just such a cool thing going on there. You know, you use the code Wandering Ways, W-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-G-W-A-Y-S, and you put that in there, boom, you're getting a discount. Alrighty, we have a super awesome guest on today. I'm super excited for this one. We have old man, old truck. He just got done with a good old uh, road trip that he went on. Uh, but before we jump into that, uh, why don't you just take time, kind of introduce yourself, uh, all that fun stuff, because uh, I'm pretty sure the wanderers out there are assuming that your name is not old man, old truck. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yeah. My, uh, my Instagram, YouTube, uh, TikTok, all of that is old man, old truck. Uh, but my name is Phil. Uh, I'm 61 years old. I retired in May of this year. And uh, shortly after I retired, I hit the road on a really awesome trip. Uh, did about 8,400 miles from the East Coast to the West Coast and back. Uh, about 5,000 of those miles were on dirt. Wow. Uh, I traveled on something called the Transamerica Trail. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. No. It's, it's pretty awesome. It's a, a series of dirt roads that go from the East Coast to the West Coast. Oh, wow. So, so it's it's a series of them. It's not just like one long one, right? It's it's forest service roads, private property, dirt roads where people have given us permission to ride on them. Uh, just it's a whole network of dirt roads that there's a guy mm -hmm. in uh, Mississippi. His name is Sam, and he put the whole thing together. He's now 88 years old, and he still rides it every year and updates the maps. Oh wow! Bike. He rides it on an enduro bike. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So when he updates it, I'm assuming that's because some of the roads do get paved over time, and yeah, roads change, uh, roads get closed, um, and and even like on my trip, I would come across some of the dirt roads that were out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, the county or whatever that maintains them decided okay, we'll just let that one go. We're not going to maintain it anymore. And so you have to find an alternate route. Oh, wow. So is there any, like, I see when you said, because I know you mess messaged me and you said you had 8,000, you drove the 8,000 miles and about 5,000 of that was on uh, dirt. So is that other 3,000, those like interconnecting roads and some of that and then coming back from the west coast i drove on highways a good bit oh yeah 
it, it just so happened that about the time I got to the West Coast, it was about time for my grandson to be born. So I needed to, I needed to get on home. Yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Um, um, how did you find the Trans America Trail there? Um, have you had friends that had been on it, or has uh, it been kind of a lifelong thing for you? No, I I just stumbled across it one day. Uh, I was watching some YouTube and I watch off road and overlanding type stuff and. I came across some folks that were on something called the Trans America Trail, and I was like, "Oh!" And so from there, it was on. I started researching it, and I spent about a year planning the trip. Wow! So it took. Um, are you? I guess are you camping most nights? I stayed in my truck all the nights, but a couple. I I stayed in a hotel one night. Uh, there was a a haunted hotel that I found in uh, Eureka, Nevada. Okay. And uh, I, it, it was built like in the 1700s or something, and I had to stay there. Um, <laughs> and then, I might, I might pass on a haunted hotel. <laughs> and uh, I had a cousin that lives in uh, Durango, Colorado. I spent one night with him, and I spent one night with another friend. The rest of it was. I slept in the back of my truck. Wow. That's, that's a lot. I mean, I, I, I know we took uh we did a camping trip. It was only like 12 days and I had to throw a hotel in there. Cause I was like, I need, a, <laughs> <laughs> I need to shower. I need to, I need that luxury of a bed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you must have a pretty uh, sweet sleep set up in your truck then. I do. I, I have a, uh... I, my vehicle was a, it's a 1999 Toyota Tacoma four wheel drive. Uh, I bought it new in 99. I'm the only, I'm the only driver it's ever known. Uh, and, uh, about a year and a half ago, I started prepping it for this trip and, uh, I had a, a metal fabricator. He, he built the entire bed system in the back. Uh, and then I covered it with a soft topper. Which is, uh, if you're not familiar with that, it's a soft camper cover, and uh, it's made out of canvas. So is it, and it holds well in the weather, like rain. And oh yeah, yeah. Never, never had any problems with water getting in. A good bit of dust gets in, but in the desert, dust gets in everything. <laughs> it's like the beach; you get sand, and you're always bringing it home. Uh, but uh, I have a I have a refrigerator with a little freezer in the truck uh have pretty much everything i need wow what nice um so did you did you have any like kind of areas of the because i mean you essentially did the whole freaking uh country um were there any particular areas that you like really really enjoyed yeah so one of the before I found out about the Trans America Trail, I had found about a found out about a place in Utah called the San Rafael Swale, and when I started researching that, I found out nobody knows it's there, and I got out there and it was incredible. Uh, I left the Trans America Trail to go to the San Rafael Swale, and I spent uh, five days there in the desert just roaming around and. 
in those five days, I saw maybe seven people. Wow. Oh, wow. And this place, you, you need to look it up because it's the pictures. It looks just like you're at the Grand Canyon. I posted pictures of it and people were like, you're at the Grand Canyon or you're at Bryce Canyon or something. And, but I'm like, no, I'm at a place nobody's ever heard of. Oh wow! <laughs> and I was the only one there, you know, I, I could, I camped right on the edge of the Canyon uh, every night. Uh, it, it was awesome. I pulled up some pictures of it here on the computer and the rocks, this, this formation just looks like a bunch of almost pyramids kind of like yeah. pyramids laid over. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool place. Wow, that's beautiful. Nice. So you spent five five days uh, yeah. down in that part. Uh, did you just kind of like hike around, or like what did what all did you explore your time well, down there? It's a it's a huge place. Uh, I don't I don't know how many acres it is, but I mean it's it's very big. I was able to drive around in there for five days and never be in the same place twice. Oh wow! Um, there, there are there are roads all through the desert there, and uh, it's it's just incredible. And like I say, there was nobody there. Wow! Do you have uh, um, do you have maps when you're in these areas? Because I assume it's like Eastern Montana where we have no cell service all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I used uh, that's that's a very good topic. Uh, I used Gaia GPS for most of my travels, uh, and when I was preparing for the trip, uh, I talked with some, some YouTube guys that are super big overlanders. Uh, uh, Kevin from Lifestyle Overland, he shared some of his waypoints with me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And uh, so I was able to, to find some epic campsites because of that. And Kevin's just a, he's super nice guy. And uh, he, he filled me in. He had, done a few youtube videos on the san rafael soil and uh really nice so i also assume you probably have to get gas and gas cans and stuff when you're in these areas if you're if you're driving and back in there because i, I yeah <laughs> wow. uh, yeah gas i carry i carry seven and a half gallons of oh. spare with me i have a five gallon can and a two and a half gallon can and i carry that and i carry five gallons of water with me and uh, you have to use them quite often uh a good bit yeah you know I, i'll run it uh, till i'm down to just about empty and then i'll fill it you know take the what's in my reserve tanks and pour in and then go find gas yeah that's a, i mean that's a good strategy you know you yeah. know what you need to do you know you know you're prepared um the five gallons of water is that for consumption of you Yes, yeah, for everything. Uh, I, I keep some bottled water in the refrigerator too, but uh, yeah, the the five gallons is is everything. I wash with it. I also use for like for bathing and stuff. I I get these pre moistened washcloths that are, that are disposable. They fantastic. They work great. Well, that's good. Good to know. I know Mark. I know Mark's all about that quick, easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're when you're on the road, uh, for sure. Was it hard finding places to fill up that water, that five gallon tank, or the five gallons that you had, or could you kind of just? Because I imagine, because it's such a large amount, it could be a little bit tougher. Yeah. Um, most of the time, 
wherever I stopped to get gas, I would go ahead and top off my water. Whether if, if they didn't have water available, a lot of times they would have like a gallon of water inside the store and I would buy a gallon of water and pour in. Uh, but yeah, it, I've never had a real problem. I also had, I have a, uh, a lifesaver filter and another filter. Uh, so I can, I can get water out of a Creek if I need to and just filter it and put it in my containers. That's nice. I do got to ask, cause I know, I know it's, um, I know Mark's probably thinking it. So Bryce Canyon has the best water. Were you able to try the, the water at Bryce Canyon? The the water at Bryce Canyon is very good water. Yeah. <laughs> it is. By, but, I don't know what it is about Bryce Canyon water, but it is absolutely amazing water. <laughs> but, uh, but I will say uh, I drank water from uh, a glacier in Alaska a couple of years ago and Bryce Canyon can't touch it. <laughs> I I could I can imagine that the good uh, I bet that water up there was really cold. It was it it was fantastic. Uh, my son and I in 2019 we drove from South Carolina to Prudhoe Bay, Alaska, and back, and we camped the whole way. Uh, you drove? Yeah, it's a little over twelve thousand miles. How how long? Uh, about five weeks. Oh wow. That's where on uh, we're gonna get sidetracked from the trip that you just did. Um, but <laughs> sorry, um, sorry, I didn't where, mean to do that. Now, here it's totally good. Where when you're going to uh Alaska, where did you cross into Canada? Was it closer to like uh more on the west coast or maybe more towards like uh the middle of the country? In the middle, uh, uh, North Dakota, I think. We went in uh, right just just about due north of Fargo. Okay. And then did you get to see any of the parks in Canada? Did you? Oh yeah, we went through Banff and uh, and the and I will say probably the most beautiful area I've ever been to is the Canadian Rockies. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Well, and you probably spent a good quad good amount of time in them too on making yeah. Do, yeah um, we went up the alaska highway it starts there in uh dawson city and it just drives right up the canadian rockies all the way up so i i, I assume you're, yeah you're probably doing this in the summer not the, not the winter yeah, right? yeah yeah we we did that trip uh we started out in june and got home in july that's a good time of year to do that one yeah um but kind of uh wandering back so when you you went down to the san rafael swell how yes. far off of the trans-american um road did you have to go to get that uh about a a good three quarters of a day uh, oh. so it, it was it was pretty good ways off of the track uh and then actually from there I kind of made my own route the rest of the way to the West Coast. I, I left the Trans-America Trail, went down to the San Rafael Swell, and then made my own way. Uh, I went up and went into Nevada, rode on the Pony Express Trail, oh. uh, which that was really cool. Uh, you know, I'm an old guy, so the, the Wild West was a big part of my younger days, and things like the Pony Express Trail, it was very exciting for me. 
Yeah, no, and the Pony that. Express Trail would be actually kind of a cool one um, yeah. to went go by, on. Went by Butch Cassidy's house where he lived when he was a kid. Uh, I was just talking about Butch Cassidy with someone. Did he? <sighs> you talked about it on your last podcast. On the you... Canyonlands. Yes, uh, yes, that's, yes. Yeah, yeah, you guys talked uh, about Butch like... Cassidy and, and it rang a bell with me. I was like, yeah, I went by Butch Cassidy's house. I was wanting to yell at you guys while you were talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I just, I, I was like, I was just having, where, where, what was that? Well, because I was up just in Glasgow, Montana, or up there, it was some one of those small towns of four people that, you know, it's like Dillingham, or I don't know, like, it has a weird name, but uh, my, my mother-in-law, she was telling me about uh, someone famous, like, I was up there, it was a Wild West person, I was like, really? Came from here, makes sense. Like, you know. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Butch Cassidy. So you you got a tour his house and all that? Yeah, there's it's just a little roadside place there. You can pull over and there's not there's nobody there. It's you just go at your own tour. Uh, but there's a house and a little barn there and there's a few signs that just tell you this is where he was lived when he was a child and everything. Nice. So then from there, you kind of just stuck to, uh, you know, where did you hop into California is more oh, so where I'm getting at. Okay. I went in, went into California. This was another key feature of the trip for me. It was when I found out I could go there. It was actually my son's idea to include this. Originally, I was going to San Rafael Swale and then coming home. Uh, my son was like, you're going to be this close. You should go on. And so I went to Donner Pass. And I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Donner Party. Uh, with, it was a big part of history when I was a kid. Uh, so the, in the 1800s, there was a group of settlers that left the East Coast on their way to California. Uh they got talked into taking a shortcut through what's now called Donner Pass. And they ended up out of 80 something people, 40 of them survived. And and the ones that survived had some of them had to eat the other ones to survive. Maybe I have heard this story. Yeah. If you don't know anything about the story, matter of fact, my last YouTube video that I posted, was about the Donner Party and my time there. Is it just like a really kind of rough terrain or like yeah, what well, made this pass so the, daunting? It's in the Sierra Nevada mountains. And uh, luckily the folks that did survive and some of the ones that didn't, they kept really detailed journals and the snow was like 13 feet deep and oh. they you know, they were in horse from wagons, and by that time, they had ate all the horses, so they were on foot in 13 feet of snow, uh, and they came from the Donners, the, they came from North Carolina, where they never got snow, and so this this was a, a really major thing for them to, to see that kind of territory. Wow. I, that's... It's intense, but that is, I mean, the Sierra Nevadas, people do forget, like, yeah, California, Nevada, you think desert, you think warm, but yeah, you get some nasty, like, they, and it accumulates fast. It's not yeah. 
heavy snow that just like oh, 20 feet in a day. Yeah, and then uh, after I, I spent a couple of days there around Donner Pass and made my way through like uh, Yuba City and down into the Redwood Forest there. And is, is that the Redwood Forest behind you, Mark? Yeah, sure is. Uh, I keep those trees. I lived down there for for a good three years, so I can't live without them. <laughs> yes, I, so I was there around Humboldt and all that, and uh, I, I made my way through there. Took me a couple of days and uh, ended up at a place called Shelter Cove on the coast. Uh, it's a little south of Eureka, California. Mm -hmm. I bet it's real small, probably uh, not yeah. a whole lot of people. I think I think the sign said 85 people live there or something. And there's one road in and one road. It was I swear it was like a, like a little village you see in a Hallmark movie. Not that I've watched <laughs> a Hallmark movie. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was just like something you would see there. It's uh cliffs and the beach. Uh, it was really nice. Wow. Yeah, that northern California coast, people really, they really sleep on it because California does yeah. have a lot to offer. And to me, that's probably one of my favorite parts of California is yeah. that most part. Yeah, I have a lot of friends back home, you know, here that they're like, why would you even go to California? I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's not all Los Angeles and San Francisco, you know. Yeah. Nor northern California is beautiful. Well, and it's like you get the term tree hugger when you go there. It's like, I wouldn't you want like I, everyone yeah. does it. They're like, oh, my God, I can't put my arms around it. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, a few years ago, we went out to the uh, uh, Sequoia National Forest there and we got to see those. And, you know, coming from the East Coast, to me, Sequoias and Redwoods were the same thing. I, I didn't know they were different. We got out there and found out they're they're. You know, people at the Sequoias were like, no, the Redwoods are very different. So I made it my mission to come back. So I got to see the Redwoods this time. And uh, they are magnificent. I mean, they like, are. It's it, to me, it's like weird because they just, they are like bigger trees. Like everything about the bark, the leaves, yeah. bits, like the where the leaves start. And you're like, ah. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing every time. I mean, I I feel like I I want to go right. I you know we're talking about. It, I'm like I, I'm in Oregon. Like you know I could go down there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, was there? So you talk about this making it a mission on your trip to. Was there any other spots that you particularly were like? I need to see that. I want to see that on your trip. Uh, there were a few things uh, that just kind of came up like. I, I was actually on the trip and I found out that in Oklahoma, they have a twister museum. Uh, there was a movie several years ago called Twister. And uh, in the town where they filmed the movie, they have a museum there now. And so I was like, oh, I, I need to stop there. And it was right off of the Trans-America Trail. You know, it was like a couple of miles from the trail. So I was, that was a good side trip. And uh, one uh, I was I was driving through Oklahoma, and if you've never been to Oklahoma, it's boring. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Oklahoma people. I'm sorry. It's, it's I, have, I haven't. So, like, um, but I I was driving along, and all of a sudden I look out the window, and I see a kangaroo. 
And then there's another one. And then there's like a hundred or two kangaroos. And uh, it was pretty funny. And I, I posted it on my Instagram and, and somebody came back just shortly after and, and informed me that uh, a herd of kangaroos is called a mob. <laughs> just was it like a farm or i i don't know i i have no idea why there was a mob of kangaroos in oklahoma but there was <laughs> just in the middle, in the middle of nowhere wow yeah it, it was crazy uh, that's cool but, yeah that, that would be uh that'd be something to turn and look and go oh oh that that's a kangaroo. That's not native to yeah. North America. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can imagine too, like you're on a road trip like that, and you're like, "Am I like hallucinating right now? Is there like?" Oh, yeah. I definitely had to stop and back up, and uh, it was it was pretty funny though. And you know, like I said, I, I was just riding along, and it was just the same old thing over and over. It was boring, and then all of a sudden, there's kangaroos. I'm like, okay, thank you, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> nice um so i guess what was the trail in total like what i guess what states cities along like what was the whole i guess so uh i started out in south carolina okay. um uh, and these aren't exactly in order but i did write it down north carolina georgia tennessee mississippi Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, Nevada, California, Wyoming, um, Missouri, Kentucky, and Nebraska. Oh, wow. I hit, I hit all those states during that trip. That's cool. And, uh, okay, you went to Nebraska and Oklahoma. There is question – because I've always been told the person that invented the self-driving car drove through Nebraska. So which would be more boring, Nebraska or Oklahoma? Oklahoma, hands down. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I throw Iowa up there too. That's another straight. Yeah, I was pretty boring. Yeah. That's uh I guess that's good to know. I was always told it was Nebraska, but if Oklahoma gets the cake. <laughs> yeah, I, I Oklahoma gets my vote. And a lot of people that have ridden the Trans America Trail that when I was getting ready to go, uh, a lot of them said just skip Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine the dirt roads there cuz the, the only thing is there is there's one caveat with Oklahoma and that is if it rains, all the roads are dirt and it's this like it's four inches of loose dirt and then it's packed dirt. And if it rains, it is this slick, slimy no. mud and it will throw you in a ditch in a heartbeat. And there are no trees, it's just flat open space. You can't winch. And and I did get in a ditch and I had a time getting out. And I've seen other people that had a lot more trouble than I did. Yeah, oh, Montana, we call that gumbo. Yeah, it, it, that mud gets that way, and you get those big trucks or those big jeeps that really rip it up, and you get stuck in their ruts, and yeah. it'll just swallow you down. And oh, it's not fun at all. Um, sometimes I've heard of stories of guys wait; they had to wait until that night, you know, when it actually gets cold at night, the, the mud hardens, and they can finally yeah. get out of there. But 
at least, yeah. Oh, that would, that would be, that's not fun. And especially when you're by yourself, like, yeah. Yeah. That, that's another thing. I did travel solo. Uh, the first three days of my trip, I was with a group, um, mm -hmm. a group known as venture unknown. They're an off-roading community group. And, uh, I spent my first three days with them going through the North Georgia mountains. And then we came to a point where the trail we were on called the Georgia Traverse crossed with the Transamerica trail. And okay. we, we got to this point. It was really cool. Cause we, we all talked on radios and everything G, using GMRS and uh, they all turned to the left and I turned to the right, you know, and it was, it was this big thing on the radio, you know, there goes Phil, he's going off with yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, was there a lot of like when you're planning for this trip? Did you have each of your like days kind of mapped out? You're going to drive X amount of distance this day, stay at this hike or this spot, or did you kind of just almost free ball it, or maybe a combination of the two? It was more free balling, but there, it was a combination. There were a few places that I definitely wanted to hit for campsites that I found out about. Uh, and, but it didn't really matter about the day because like I said, I retired. So I didn't have a set day to come home. Uh, and that, that made this trip different than anything I'd ever been on before, because always in the past, you know, I took vacation from work and I had a certain day I had to be back by. Uh, but this time I didn't have that. And so I was able to just go at whatever pace. If I, if I made 150 miles in a day, or if I made 10 miles in a day, it didn't matter. So what was your maximum and minimum? Did you, do you have like an idea? I, I didn't really track that. That's one of the stats I didn't track, but uh, <laughs> I did track a lot. What, but, what did you track? I, I tracked fuel consumption, total miles, uh, uh, cost for everything, uh, stuff like that. Um, I got to know the fuel consumption. Let me, uh, let me pull up my sheet here. Because that's got to be, that's a, I'm really actually curious how many, how much fuel is consumed in a trip like that. Because it's got to be a doozy. So, uh, like I said, I'm, my truck is a, it's a 99 Tacoma, uh, 2.7 liter four cylinder. So it gets decent mileage for what it is. You know, nothing off-road really gets great mileage, but, uh, I actually held a, I had a contest when I got back home with some of the folks that follow me on Instagram and stuff to let people guess how much fuel I used, uh, so, like I said, it was 8,400 miles. Either one of you want to take a guess on how much gas I used? How many gallons? 8,400 gallons. I can, I'm going to go off my Jeep and probably fill the... I'm going to guess Adam. it was like 900, 900 gallons. I'm going to guess 1,500 gallons. I used... 342 gallons not as much as i thought yeah i got about i got about 16 miles to the gallon overall um, okay so what yeah i what i guess what like speed because you're on dirt roads you're probably going i'm, I'm sorry the total gallons was 460 460 gallons 460 gallons 
460 gallons. That's um, way less than I thought. So total total cost for fuel. Um, the the cheapest gas that I got on the route was it's definitely in, in California. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in Arkansas, I paid two seventy nine a gallon. And this Ooh. is why gas is pretty high this summer when you did this trip. Yeah, yeah. That, that was when gas was pretty high, but um, the highest that I, the highest gas that I got was in California, of course, and it was it was six ninety five a gallon. Yeah, uh, that was in Truckee, Truckee, California, right, not far from Lake Tahoe. Okay. No. Yep. Um, so uh, total total fuel cost was. One thousand six hundred eighteen dollars and forty-seven cents. So, not too bad. That's yeah, that's not horrible. Not too at bad all. for uh, a month and a half on the road, you know. Well, yeah. especially because your car at that point, your car is your lodging as well. So when you when right. you are budgeting for a trip, that that fits like, yeah, I can do this. Why not? Yeah, the my my total cost for lodging was $102.46. Oh, the one the one hotel? Uh, I had one hotel. It was $92. And then I stayed at one campground where I had to pay, and it was $10. Oh, so you found free campsites pretty much the whole rest yeah. of the Yeah, um, yeah the I rest see. of it was dispersed camping. Nice. I'm sure a lot in Utah was the a BLM land, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Most everywhere that I went in Utah was BLM. And then uh, in California, I found a lot. Uh, so, was it hard to find that dispersed campsites? Uh, on the eastern side of the United States, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I I probably stayed in some places where I wasn't legally supposed to be. Uh, but, there. Uh, but the good thing, traveling solo um, and you know, if you if you drive till dark uh, and slip in a place, rangers they're they're not usually coming after you. What are they going to do? Tap on your glass and say, "Oh God, sorry, you can't camp here." And by that time, you're like, well, "I got to be up anyway to hit the road." The the one time that, that that happened, it was I had just set up camp, and a ranger stopped by and said, uh, "You planning to stay here tonight?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like. No, you're not. <laughs> but he did. He was real nice. And he said, you know, if you'll go right up here and turn to the right, there's a place over there where you can stay. Uh, oh, nice. That is he, he just let me know I couldn't stay where I was. Nice. That's the nice thing about Rangers. They're very friendly. They have. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I've, had, I've had real good experiences with Rangers. Um. What, so I guess what's uh, what would you recommend? to some like people if they're if they're considering doing a trip like this like what what i guess what are the recommendations so uh, one thing when when i was getting ready to do this trip specifically uh, i reached out to like i said kevin with lifestyle overland he's been doing he's been living the overland life since about 2016 oh wow uh, and uh so I reached out to him and I said, what is the one thing, one piece of advice that you would give me over everything else? And he said, get to know your vehicle, uh, which 
you know, I've had, I've owned that vehicle for 23 years. So I know it pretty good. Uh, but he, he said, yeah, he said, go out in it, go stay on dirt roads as much as possible. Listen to every sound it makes. Uh, and you know, know the vehicle really well. Uh, and that, that was great advice. Uh, do a lot of research, figure out where you're going, use some kind of mapping software, whether it's Gaia or Onyx off-road, you know, any mapping software or paper maps even. I, I did carry paper maps with me. I love a good paper map. We were, when we were in Alaska, I had, uh, I had a regular Garmin GPS and I had an iPad with Gaia on it. And we got into the Arctic Circle and both of them died. Oh. And, so I, I I was forced to break out paper maps. Uh, we so you know you, you need to have backup. Uh, yeah, it's a good thing you did have backup. Yeah, uh, but I you, do. I my Jeep in that glove box. You all. I mean, typically it's here in Montana or Oregon. So I have an Oregon highway map, a Montana highway map, and uh, uh, even Yellowstone and Glacier because I I have to because I go to the high frequent house a lot. But I I it's. You, you never know. I mean, there's a point where that digital will do that to you. Oh, yeah. We're, we for, we tend to forget we're on the very beginning of technology, the digital technology era. You know, they haven't had a thousand years to perfect this yet. Uh, in, the, in the early 80s, I actually worked as a cartographer for a while. So I have oh, a lot wow. for maps. Uh, I used <laughs> to make maps and that, that was a really cool job. So are you, while while you're doing that, are you going to these places to make, help make these maps or what, I guess, what does all that entail? Yeah. I, well, I worked on a survey crew okay. uh, and, and we would go out and survey the land. We would do cr what we called cross sections of the land. We would get the elevations and like you look at a topo map and you see the elevation lines. We, we were the ones that did that. And, oh, wow. uh, and we would take all of that information and go back to what we called the map shack. And we would, uh, we would have these big, huge sheets of grid paper and we would just start making our maps. We would color in each elevation line. And next thing you know, a map would appear. It was, it was really cool. Oh, I was, cool. I was 25 years old and, uh, nice. it was a, it was a super cool job. Uh, when I wasn't at work, I was in the woods backpacking and stuff. And then I got this job and they were paying me to go in the woods. And I, I was happy as I could be. That's awesome. But that's great. You found something you love to do in the outdoors. It's a job that you could do outdoors. Yeah. Um, and like, it's like colored by numbers, you know? Yeah, <laughs> no exactly like that. You yeah. know, each, each, num each number from when you did the survey got a different color on the map and that's it all came together and made the maps. That's, <laughs> and then you're actually out there measuring the stuff. So, yeah. no, that's it's really cool to see because it all comes together, you know, full circle. And now you're following your maps, hope, hope, hoping that they lead you on your journey, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, when you're doing this trip, or I guess from the trip now that it's over, um, what kind of like biggest challenge when doing a trip like this because i mean it's kind of daunting it's six weeks uh you're on the road um you're driving countless miles so 
I'm just curious what kind of like, what was the biggest challenge you had either in the research prepping or during phase during the trip? Uh, a couple of things. One was the absolute worst day on the trip. Um, I was in Arkansas in the Ozark mountains and uh, the road, the Transamerica trail was blocked. Uh, and so I had to find an alternate route and the alternate route, the road got really, really bad. I mean, it was rough. I, I was having to drive over boulders and through rivers and it, it was bad. And then the GPS, I don't know, it was the map just started spinning in circles on it. Uh, and so I, I was basically lost out there. And uh, that that was a, a big challenge there. I, uh, I was about ready to just say, I'm going back home. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but, you know, I, I stopped and regrouped when, and I got my act together and got out of there. Then uh, in Colorado, I drove upstream in a river for about maybe 150 to 200 yards. And uh, everything was fine. I, I went and found camp. The next morning, uh, the truck started giving me trouble. Oh. And it ended up being the alternator. And I was out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but luckily, I have a, a dual battery system on the truck that also incorporates a solar panel. And the uh, I have an intelligent charger on the battery system and it will sacrifice the auxiliary battery to save the starter battery. And so the truck was running off of that and it was incorporating solar. And so I was making my way out just under that power. And I met a couple of people on horseback and I asked them where the closest town was that had a mechanic. And they, they sent me to uh, Gunnison, Colorado. Oh, that's a beautiful area though. Yeah. And uh, they, the guys there at uh, Gunnison Auto, Man, they were they were Johnny on the spot. They they put me in. I felt like I was at an emergency room, and they they rushed me into surgery there. You know, and they they fixed me right up. Great that's, guy. That's awesome. I remember seeing you post about it. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, uh, that's cool. That and I, that's a beautiful area. Did were you able to go to the Black Canyon of the Gunnison while you were down there? No, I didn't make it over there. I was I was leaving Gunnison going down to Durango to visit with my cousin that lived down there. So well, Durango uh, is also yeah, I didn't didn't do a lot of sightseeing up around Gunnison, but uh I went down to Durango and uh, I love going there. I've been there a few times. It's a beautiful I would put Durango kind of like a in the same category as like a Sedona, but more yeah. more discreet. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um Oh man, I just lost it. I had a question. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I got one because I'm there curious. You, um, you know, um, when after it being done now, is there like one part of the trip that just like the absolute best highlight of the trip um, that you have? That's tough. Uh, I guess if you know, if you held a gun to my head and said, I have to give you one specific that was the best, it would be the San Rafael swell. 
I, I would love to go back there and spend more time. I would have spent more time there, but uh, my truck does not have AC. And it got up to 124 degrees one day. And uh, after five days of it going over 110, I was like, I can't do this desert anymore. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I, I would definitely like to go back there. Uh, but, you would recommend probably going in the spring or fall when it's a little cooler. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, spring or fall for San Rafael soil or pretty much any desert, I guess. But uh, um, was, uh, Sorry, I remember my question. Go ahead. So you're talking about your alternator. Yes. Did you have to do any other car services like getting your oil changed or anything like that on this trip? I did. I did get one oil change uh, while I was out there. Okay. That's good to know. I was like doing the math. I'm like, yeah, I would have to probably, you know, change that at some point there. Yeah. But I could have yeah, done the whole 8,400 without, you know, and just change it when I got back. But I, I did change it once on the road and then changed it again when I got home. Nice. Um, <laughs> That is a heck of a trip. But uh, anyways, I have got to be that guy. We're getting to the end. Um, and so we close every podcast with our final words. Um, and during it, since you're our guest today, we'll have you go first. But you can like literally say anything you want. If you want to plug uh, the Instagrams, uh, all that social medias, go for it. If you have a poem today, go for it. If you have a song you wrote, go for it. If you have a PSA, literally anything you want, uh, but the floor is yours. All right. Thank you. Uh, first, I'd like to say thank you to you guys for having me on. Uh, I don't, I don't really know Mark that well. Uh, I do. I've interacted with Zach a lot on Instagram and on YouTube. Uh, uh, but I do, I do enjoy your podcast. It was I did download some of them to take with me on the trip and I listened to them while I was traveling. Uh, nice. And uh, I enjoy that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I would just say uh, to anybody out there that if you have a love for the outdoors and everything, don't wait, go figure out a way to make it happen and, and just go. Uh, I love being outdoors and uh, I've found ways to make it happen my whole life and it it's worth it. Uh, What's the, I got to ask one more question. What's the next trip for you? Okay. Uh, right now in the planning stages, I'm looking at the Pacific Northwest, uh, the Olympic Peninsula area. Um, I've been, been looking at a lot of stuff up there in uh, Northern Portland and Washington state and uh, looks really good. Uh, can't go wrong with the Cascades of the Olympics. You really can't. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been like in the Seattle Tacoma area a few times and around Portland and everything. But I've, I've not been able to make it out to the Olympic Peninsula or the Cascades or anything. So I'd really like to do that. Um. Yeah. Uh, on Instagram and YouTube, old man, old truck. Uh, check me out uh, if you're so inclined. Sweet. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, definitely go follow Old Man Old Truck on all the socials. We always can help each other out. Um, 
it's just tapping a like button, tapping a subscribe button. It's that it's not that hard. Um, I'm sure there's a YouTube tutorial on it. So go definitely check out uh, Old Man Old Truck. You can also check out the Wandering Ways podcast um, on social media as well. Um, but I just want to thank you today for being on. Uh, we all have those bucket list items. You know, you talked about the the San Rafael swell out. I think I said that right out in uh, Utah. Um, definitely some like being Mark in the mix, you know, we, we've talked about Iceland a lot. You're hearing about it. We're starting to plan it. We're starting to throw money at things. So you just got to do it. Like you say, you just got to like, take that step. If you want to do it, only you can do it. So go and do it. And that's all I got. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Reverend's final words of wisdom. First, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, sounds like an absolute banger of a trip. Uh, you know, 80, 8,400 miles is no joke, uh, regardless of really what you're doing. And, uh, for all the stuff that you kind of saw along the way, it's, it's really sweet. And I love hearing you talk about it. Um, you know, that just get out there and go kind of attitude um, is really, really uh, fantastic to hear. It's a great one. You know, this is the first podcast of 2023. So uh, super awesome to start the year off this way. So again, thank you so much uh for coming on today it was a pleasure um and with that being said peace out everybody bye